0: Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here. Thanks for being here today. And if you're joining us online, thanks for tuning in as well. Um, With Easter coming up next Sunday, one of the things we typically see is we see a lot of visitors come. So make sure you're inviting friends and family to come. Um, But there's a chance that we might be more full than we normally are. So if this is your church home, if you're part of the church family, I would encourage you, plan on sitting in the front row. Like this second row, do you see how packed they are? There isn't an open seat there. That's what we want to see in the first several rows. So uh, make sure you take a shower, put on deodorant, brush your teeth, all those things come and just kind of sit beside someone. Uh, let's try to fill up the, the empty seats up front so that our visitors have a place to sit uh, when they come in as well. Okay, so several years ago, I worked at uh, Memorial Hospital, and one of the benefits that they gave to staff was a reduced uh, monthly fee for their health and lifestyle center. So that was their, their fitness center, their, their gym. And so I signed up for it, and I started going five days a week. I would go in the morning. I would uh, before work. I would have. Um, I had my own locker. I had my, my gym clothes and and all of that. I had that routine. Take a shower after you work workout and so on. And so I started working out a lot and I started to look a little bit like my cousin Arnold. And um, <laughs> this is a photo of what I started to look like. So <laughs> that's not doctored up at all, though. As so you can. You can take that down. Uh, The problem was, as you can tell, it didn't last, right? I wasn't able to sustain getting up early, getting my clothes around, taking it to the gym, you know, all of those kinds of things in the morning. So I fell off working out every morning because I couldn't work it into my lifestyle, right? I couldn't work it into my lifestyle. So um, this is true. This is also why a lot of diets will fail, right? You get onto a, a diet and you, you, you lose a lot of weight. You know, recently um, we had our 21-day fast, which isn't a diet, but, you know, I lost a lot of weight. We changed what we ate during that time or didn't eat at all. Um, but the problem is, with a diet, is that it, it does, it's not sustainable, right? You can't, you can't continue on that diet. We have to be willing to change our eating habits if we want to have you know, if we want to lose weight and keep the weight off. So we have to have a lifestyle of eating healthy. Someone once told me that if we want to consistently work out or we want to um, eat right, we have to create a lifestyle of that. We have to incorporate it into our lifestyle, something that would work for us. So for me, what that means as far as working out is I can do it at home, down in our, our basement, and, and that seems to work. And I, I tried to do it five days a week, and I'll just be honest, it didn't work for me. So four days a week, a week worked out f- uh, pretty well for me. And so I do that, and then after doing the Daniel fast, I've, I've, gotten, um, I've broken my addiction to sugar a little bit, so I've changed my eating habits. I, I don't eat a bowl of Lucky Charms every day. Um, I don't have a bowl of ice cream every night. Uh, But I do occasionally. Occasionally have it. But so if we want to be physically healthy, we need to have a healthy lifestyle. Does it make sense? Have to have a healthy lifestyle. Well, this is true with our relationships as well. If we want to have good, healthy friendships, we can't hang out with them every night of the week, right? We can't go to their house every night and hang out with them. I mean, We have to have a balanced lifestyle. We have to have those moments when we're actually at home uh, doing laundry, you know, um, cleaning the house, things like that. And so a healthy relationship, healthy friendship, requires a good, balanced, healthy lifestyle. For those of us who are married, if we want to have a good relationship with our spouse, I mean, it's good to, to go away on a vacation, right, for our anniversary, but that by itself isn't going to sustain a healthy marriage, right? We have to have a lifestyle where we're, we're going on dates, we're uh, being nice to one another, uh, we're celebrating things. Those kinds of things have to happen. So a healthy marriage requires a healthy lifestyle to sustain it. Well, it's true spiritually as well, right? It's true spiritually as well. A healthy spiritual life requires a healthy, spiritual lifestyle. There are those moments when we're on a spiritual mountaintop, but that's not going to sustain us for the rest of our life. We have to have healthy habits that create a healthy, spiritual lifestyle. So we, I mentioned uh, you know, the Daniel fast, or during our 21-day fast, our church does a, a 21-day fast at the beginning of every year. And during that time, uh, spiritually, we're on fire, right? I mean, I, I know I am. I'm spiritually, you know, I'm kind of on that mountaintop. I remember uh, this past year during our staff meeting in the middle of that fast, I asked everybody what I ask every week is, okay, where are you at spiritually? Uh, between zero and 10, where's, where's your spiritual tank today? And we just ask that every week with our staff just to mean make sure that we're not getting burnt out. And typically, it's, you know, it's anywhere from, you know, six, seven, eight, eight, eight and a half, some people will say, you know, but it's in that range typically. Um, But during that week, I remember everybody was nine plus. I mean, every single person. Now, we were all starving physically, right? So you didn't, didn't ask us how we were doing physically, but spiritually, we were doing really, really well. And I'm thinking, how do we maintain, you know, like this... This spiritual, you know, keep our tanks full because we can't fast 365 days a year, right? Can't do it. Now, some of you are like, well, maybe. No, we can't. We will die, right? We can't do that. So what are those things that we can do to keep our spiritual fervor? Now, do you think that God wants us to keep our spiritual fervor? Right? He does. He says in Romans chapter 12, Paul said, never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So I believe that God wants us to have our spiritual fervor in that consistent seven, eight, nine plus category. But in order to do that, we're going to have to incorporate some things into our lifestyle, right? We can't just fast and then die. We have to have these things in our life That will help us maintain our spiritual fervor. So we have to incorporate spiritual practices into our lifestyle. Um, Now hold that thought. We are finishing up a series today about revivals, and it's called Revive Us, and we spent some time talking about the history of revivals. We looked at asking last week. Rose taught a message about asking for revival and what that looks like, And um, today we're going to look at how do we live, have a lifestyle of revival, spiritual revival in our lives. And we're going to be back in Acts chapter 2. This was the chapter that we started out the series with, and we're going to be uh, starting with verse 36. But Peter has, before we get to this section, Peter has just preached a message to thousands of people. To thousands of people. And about 3,000 of them will turn their lives to Jesus, and they're on a spiritual high in that moment. They're, they're at this mountaintop. But the, the neat thing about, that's the beginning of the New Testament church, is that they maintained that spiritual fervor. They maintained it. They incorporated some disciplines, some, some, some practices into their lifestyle that helped the original church to maintain its spiritual fervor. So we're going to look at that Uh, There's a paragraph that just lists them all out, um, starting with verse 42. But we're going to pick it up in verse 36. Therefore, this is Peter, it says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. added to their number daily those who were being saved. So today's message is titled Living in Revival. And we're going to look at some of the characteristics of that early church and see if we can apply those to our lives as well so that we can live a lifestyle of revival. So I'll give you uh, just some thoughts. I think I have five points for you today. Uh, so we'll be here for a couple of hours. When we want The last two we'll go through rather quickly. Uh, But let me pray first. Father, I thank you uh, for for, um, your word. And I thank you for Luke who recorded uh, this book, the book of Acts, and and just described what the early church did and and how they were successful in maintaining their spiritual fervor, how they built that into their lifestyle. So Lord, I pray that we would learn from that today. Because Lord, you do want us to maintain our spiritual fervor you don't want us to be on a mountaintop and then, and then just living in a valley the rest of our lives. You want us to maintain our spiritual fervor, Lord. So I pray that we would learn something today from your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so you can fill these in on your handout if you would like. We can live a lifestyle of revival when we, first of all, choose immediate obedience. Immediate obedience. Verse 37 says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. And in verse 31, it says, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So baptism is an outward expression of an inward transformation. So they had repented, right? They had repented, and, and, and they, asked, they asked Peter, what should we do? He says, repent and be baptized. So they repented, and then they got baptized that day. I mean, that very day. They didn't bring a change of clothes. They hadn't planned on getting baptized or going swimming that day. But Peter said, repent, and they did it. And he said, be baptized, and they did it. Baptism is one of the very first things we should do when we turn our lives to Christ. It's really the first commandment. It's repent, which we do when we turn our lives to Christ, and then be baptized, which is the next step in that. Now, I have seen, as a pastor, I've seen, I mean, dozens, if not hundreds of people turn and give their lives to Jesus. But I haven't seen every one of them get baptized. In fact, I've talked to some individuals, and I said, all right, your next step is to get baptized. And they're like, ooh, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't, let me think about that. I'm like, no, no, no. I mean, it, it, Scripture says, repent and be baptized. You should sign up. We do baptisms every year here uh, during the summer. And, and those who hesitated in getting baptized talked themselves out of actually doing it. And those who didn't get baptized and didn't get baptized right away, I've seen their spiritual condition. I'm not saying this is across the board 100%, but I've seen several who said, I'm not sure about baptism. And their spiritual life did not increase as a result of that decision. It it decreased. And I've actually seen individuals fall away from God because they didn't immediately obey. Now, I say immediate because... You know, when we hesitate, you know what the devil's doing, right? I mean, when, it's, when we're supposed to do something and we, we read about it, we hear about it, we know we're supposed to do it, and we look like we're going to take a step in that direction, but we hesitate, the devil's going, oh, good, he's giving me time. And he starts whispering in our ear and telling us all the reasons why you shouldn't do that. Well, what are people going to think? They thought you've been a Christian your whole life. Why are you getting baptized now? What are you going to wear? What are you going to do with your hair? I mean, you, you think about it. There's all these excuses, all these reasons where the devil tries to talk us out of obeying him. Has anyone ever, after service, felt like they were supposed to respond to an invitation, but you hesitated? Anyone ever done that? Raise your hands. I'm going to see that. Yeah, I'm in my hand too, right? And, and, and when we hesitate, right, we, like, we hear the initial invitation and we're like, oh, I should go up there. And then we hesitate and then we listen and then we think a little bit and then we look over at our, our friend beside us and then we look at our clock and then we remember what we're doing tonight and, and then we say, well, maybe not, right? And we miss out on what God had for us here during the ministry time, during that prayer, all because we hesitated. Hesitated. Delayed obedience is disobedience, it just is. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. The author tells us of two men who were invited to follow Jesus. And listen to what they said. Verse 59, it says, He said to the, another man, this is Jesus speaking, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. He hesitated. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I, I will follow you, Lord, but, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service, fit for service in the kingdom of God. See, Jesus' expectation of us is that when we know what we're supposed to do, we just do it quickly. We don't delay. Because he knows the tactics of the enemy who will try to talk us out of obeying. So here's a question I want us to ask ourselves. Is there something that God has told me to do, do, but I'm hesitating? That's just between you and God. You can write it down if you want. But is there something that God has told me to do, but I'm hesitating? I actually, in my earlier notes, had, but I'm dragging my feet. Guys, if we want to live a lifestyle of revival, of continually growing in our spiritual condition, we have to learn that practice right up front, which is immediate obedience to God. When he says to do it, you just do it. So that's the first point. We can live a lifestyle of revival when we choose immediate obedience. Second point is this, is just simply commit. It's our word for the year. Commit. But I love that because that was a characteristic of the early church. Verse 42 says, They devoted themselves, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They committed. The word devoted is this Greek word I'm not even going to try to say today. I practiced it and it still didn't come out very well. Um, It means, though, to be earnest towards, to persevere, to be constantly diligent, to adhere closely to as a servitor. The early disciples were committed to each other. I mean, they they were devoted. They were committed to one another. They did Bible studies together. They did life together. They ate together. They prayed together. They didn't just meet together one hour on Sunday and live apart the other seven days a week, the other six days and 23 hours a week, right? They were committed to each other. And if we want to live a lifestyle of revival, we're going to have to spend some time with one another, spend time with others who are doing the same things that want a lifestyle of spiritual growth. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I wish I would have brought up two irons, you know, those pieces of iron where they do the sharpening of knives, because you know it's it's the two against each other. And if you have a knife, you can't just sharpen it by itself, right? You can't, no matter how fast you whip it around, it doesn't, it doesn't get sharp. We don't we don't sharpen ourselves by ourselves. It's in the context of community. Devoted community, because we're going to be abrasive. We're going to, we're going to offend one another. And in those moments, that's an opportunity for growth. Right? It's only if we're committed to one another, though, that we will grow. Because otherwise, we will run. And we will not be with one another. And we won't get the spiritual growth that we could. We need to be committed, devoted to one another. American self-help author Napoleon Hill said this, we become who we hang out with. So find those people that have a spiritual life that's on fire and hang out with them. We just did uh, 24 hours of, of prayer and worship from Friday night to Saturday night. And I went home and got some sleep But my wife and several others spent the entire night here just hanging out with each other and growing spiritually. We had, you know, dozens and dozens of people come through that 24-hour period. And and I would just say, we, those who came, grew spiritually. And And we encourage one another to grow as well. So hang out with the people that you want to become like here at the church. I mean obviously that means come to church every Sunday, right? Come for that hour but do more than that. Join a team to serve, get into one of our groups, come on Tuesday nights to the prayer room, serve at our outreaches, invite people over to your house and just say, "Hey, we're going to we're going to praise God and 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 do a Bible study together. We're going to watch a Christian video, watch The Chosen together." How cool would that be? So we can live a lifestyle of revival when we commit. we got to be committed to one another. Commit to the community. (laughs) Number three, we can live a lifestyle of revival when we believe in and look for miracles. Believe in and look for miracles. Verse 43 said, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Miracles were common in the early church. In fact, in, verse, or in chapter 5, it talks about Peter um, and his shadow. Let me read this. It says, uh, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And as a result, verse 15, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits. And get this, and all of them were healed. All of them were healed. Here in the United States, we have such a a Western mentality. I mean, it's hard to change our mindset to like accept that miracles can happen. But if we're going to, live a lifestyle revival, we're going to not only have to be able to accept that they can happen, we're going to have to believe and expect them to happen. Because they do. That's what's so exciting. When you are anticipating it, when you're looking for it, it actually happens. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Another scripture says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is believing in the impossible. It's believing in things that we do not see. Who hopes for or believes in what they already have? Right? I mean, faith, if, if our faith is based on what we already have, then we have no faith. Faith is believing in things that we cannot even imagine would happen because It doesn't fit. It's not scientifically possible. But if we're going to have a lifestyle revival, we're going to anticipate signs and wonders. And we're going to see them happen as well. So, and I've shared this before, but um, I I believe the Bible. I believe that uh, the things that the early disciples did, that Jesus did, are all things that we can do as well. I believe that, right? Right? I don't know how to do it all, but, but I believe it. I believe it. And so um, I take the Bible for what it says. And so I started praying for the sick. And, and so I just prayed for them. Now, this is the way it usually went. I would pray for them. I'd say, God, heal them. I pray that you you know heal them. And then after I get done praying, they'd say, thank you so much for praying for me. And they, they felt loved and appreciated that I took time to pray for them. And then I would say, well, let me know how it goes. And they would walk away with their ailment and and that was how it happened and and I didn't really see anyone get healed. I mean, I probably prayed for hundreds of people like that. I feel sorry that I was the one praying for them, right? Cuz I didn't know what I was doing. I was I was just praying out of compassion and and hope, but I wasn't really expecting to see a miracle. Now I, I've I've changed that now. Now I actually expect to see something happened, And so I'll pray for somebody and say, so, and I'll ask them, so how do you feel now? Like if, what was your pain level before I prayed? Like one to 10, they'll say like a seven. So how is it now? They might say, it's an eight now. Would you get away from me? I mean, you know that, so that could happen. But no, they'll, there's times when they'll say, it's, 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 it's the same. And I'll say, well, can I pray again? They're like, really? I thought we were just going to do this, you pray for me, and I leave kind of thing. And I'm like, no, let's, let's do this again. And, and I'll pray again. And I'll ask him again, so how is it now? And I've done that where I've prayed, and they're like, it's the same. It's the same. And then, you know, after the third or fourth time, they go, oh, actually, it's, it's a little better. Now, I don't think they're just saying that to get rid of me. You know, and that could be the case. No, they're, they're actually like, I, it's actually a little better. And so then you pray again, and, and again, you pray with expectation. And when that happens, see, right? So like, let me give you an example. If you knew that someone had a headache and that Motrin was going to take care of it, right, you would give them to Motrin, and then you'd ask them a half hour later, how are you feeling, right? And you would expect their headache to be gone, right? That's why you're asking, because you know that Motrin is going to do something for them. In the same way, when we pray for people, whether it's for healing or we're praying for them to get a job or whatever, we need to expect God to answer those prayers because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I will tell you, without faith, our prayers will not be answered. They just won't. So we have to expect signs and wonders. Recently in the prayer room, we prayed for a lady who had pretty severe stomach pain, and it was immediately gone. Another person um, was healed of hip pain. Another person had cloudy vision in one eye, and it was healed. Another uh, student had a sprained ankle last Sunday, and we prayed for their ankle, and all the pain went away. We have to pray with expectation. We have to look and and expect signs and wonders, because then we will see them. Here's a question. Again, this is another question just to ask yourself. When I pray, do I expect God to miraculously answer? I think the, God just showed me that there's someone in here, maybe there's a couple of us, who used to do that, but life got hard. And so you don't anymore. And I would just say God is still the same God who answered your prayers then and he will answer your prayers now. But not if you don't expect them. So ask with expectancy. Um Man, can you imagine the testimonies that would come out of a group of people like this who were actually praying with expectancy? We, um, one of the last things we did in the 24 hours of prayer was we released individuals to go and share prophetic words to one another. And um, we said, if, if, if God highlights someone in the audience here, uh, just go up to them and ask God to share something. And it was so cool to see because we were in a place where we were expecting God to move. And, and e- I think almost everybody got up and went to someone and shared a word. I had a word shared with me that was just spot on. Uh, in fact, it was things that I had already been praying, the exact same words I was praying earlier, like 10 minutes earlier, <laughs> this person quoted those same words. We, we just need to expect it. I want to expect. Anybody? You guys want to see God move? Yeah, well, we we just need to expect it. We need to expect it. Okay, moving on. Um, We can live a lifestyle revival when, number four, we let go of stuff. (laughs) Let go of stuff. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They gave away their stuff. They gave away their stuff. Guys, our stuff can keep us from living a lifestyle of revival. It just can. We, we research buying stuff. We, we buy our stuff. We play with our stuff. We maintain our stuff. And then we have to pay for our stuff on the back end of it, right? That can keep us distracted from the greater things that God has for us the early disciples just said, hey, my stuff is everyone's stuff. And if you need some of my stuff, it's yours. And and if I need to sell some of my stuff to finance, you know, what is needed in this ministry, I will do it. And so their stuff helped fan the flame of revival instead of dousing its flame. And I've seen that. I've seen people in the pursuit of money, in the pursuit of stuff. I've just seen their spiritual fervor just do this, right? Again and again, I've seen people who are, they are like pursuing God, they're all in, and then all of a sudden they get a job opportunity that is in conflict with their spiritual growth. And they take it anyway, Because it's more money. And God would want me to have more money, right? No. I'll just tell you that. God wants you to have more of him. Whatever that looks like, he really doesn't care about how much money we have because we're going to have enough. It's America and our culture that says we should do everything we can to have more money and have more stuff. That's not what God said. He wants us to have more of him. And so we should always be pursuing him above our stuff. So a lifestyle revival requires us to hang on loosely to our stuff. And the last point, very quickly, we can live a lifestyle revival when we shine our faith. Shine our faith. And this just happened They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. People were being added daily, I believe, because they were living their life out loud, right? They weren't keeping secret everything that God was doing in their midst. They were sharing their faith. Our purpose statement here at the church is to love God love people, and shine Jesus. So we talk about this all the time. But we need to tell others about our faith. We need to tell others about our faith. There is so much hope and peace in this room today. There is so much. But if you go out into the world and get a random group of people about the same size, they're not filled with hope and peace. There's a lot of anxiousness, a lot of depression, a lot of fear, a lot of anger, hatred, bitterness, divisiveness. I mean, it fills the room. We have the answer to what they're looking for. Because everybody wants love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But it only comes from God. It only comes from God. So we have to be willing to share our faith. We have to be willing to shine. All right, so that's just our five points for today. We can live a lifestyle of revival when we choose immediate obedience, when we commit to one another, believe in and look for miracles, let go of our stuff, and don't forget to shine our faith. I'm going to invite Rose.